When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Welcome back, everyone, to Holocron History, Star Wars Canon vs. Legends. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, and with me today is my guest host, Syke. What's up? Hello, everybody. Yeah, it's, it's a good Tuesday. Good Tuesday. Fair enough. And... We just went off, got off of a couple episodes dealing with some KOTOR figures, uh, namely Revan and Bastila. Well, today we are starting our little side adventure with the different planets in the galaxy. And what planet to start with than the most recognized planet in all of Star Wars? And I that mean, is... it is the first planet you see. In it's Star Wars. True. Chronologically, movie-wise, mm-hmm. yes, this is the very first planet we will actually see on film, and that is obviously going to be Tatooine. And I will say this before we start, we are doing, this is going to be a two-parter for Tatooine, and some, a lot of the planets might be two-parters because there's just so much rich, rich history, specifically in Legends, compared there is in canon, uh, with some other, from planet to planet. Tatooine is one of them. There's a lot of rich history in Tatooine's legends history. So, yeah. So, let's get right into it. So, Tatooine, uh, pronounced in Javanese, Tatooine, which <laughs> we have the Jawa speak for the planet, which is fantastic. That uh, is pretty cool. Was a desert world and the first planet in the Binary uh, Tattoo Star System. It was the part of the Arcana Sector in the Outer Rim Territories. It was inhabited by poor locals who mostly farmed moisture for a living. Like, I, moisture. That sounds awful. Like, like yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. With the rich history that Tatooine has, I don't know how it's still like Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... I honestly don't know anyone who should live on this planet. No. Um, other activities include used equipment, reta- uh, retailing, and scrap dealing. The planet was on the 5709 DC shipping lane, a spur of the Trellius trade route, which itself connected to the Sinsar run. The 
planet was not far from the Corellian run, had its own navigation system. So that speaking, all that speech literally means that Tatooine is a pretty good hub world for junk dealing, essentially. And it's it's close to specific routes for traders. It's close to all this stuff, yet it's in the outer rim. Like yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the planet acquired a bad reputation, often often being viewed as the cesspool of the galaxy due to the large number of criminals who could be found here. Uh, however, it would be nevertheless play a role in the major galactic events throughout the millennia, most notably being the homeworld of Anakin Skywalker. Which is a good and bad thing. <laughs> um, it was also here that Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn recognized Anakin's potential to become a Jedi and where he introduced him to Obi-Wan Kenobi, his future master and mentor. Tatooine was also the home of Anakin's son, Luke, where he lived uh, until his early adulthood. Which, that yep. one is a good thing. Luke being there is a good thing. Anakin being there is a good and bad thing because you know the things that happen in the galaxy... It's because of yeah. Anakin's upbringing. Yeah. And that's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now we have the planet's geology. So Tatooine is thought to have one of the oldest planets known in space and is composed of molten core and a rocky mantle and silicate rock crust. Other notable geological features include the Dune Sea and the enormous sodium-rich desert. Mushroom Mesa, a vast formation of giant standing stones, and the Junlin Waste, a rocky region. There are said saying that one of the eyes burn out faster by staring straight hard at the sun-scorched flatlands than by looking directly at the suns. I would believe that. I mean, you ever looked at the Sahara and just, like, tried to stare at it? No, because Same. I haven't been near the Sahara. <laughs> Fair. Neither have I. But point is. Point is, don't look directly at bright things or something that the sand reflects a giant bunch of light. It's Uh essentially you're looking at the sun's reflection bouncing straight back at your retinas at a closer distance. So it's dealing more damage than harm (laughs) than looking at the sun directly. You take 48 radiant damage. Suck it. (laughs) Yep. So now we have the climate. So Tatooine orbited two suns, Tattoo 1 and Tattoo 2, and was covered in the desert and rock formations, so the days were extremely uh, arid and bright, especially during double, mi- double noon. In fact, it was brightly lit by the suns that form from space. It could appear to be a star itself. This was the case of people who discovered Tatooine, as they first thought Tatooine was a fact a star until they approached and discovered it was a desert planet. The planet circled the suns far enough to develop a stable but very hot climate. Due to the extreme conditions, only a relatively mild region of the northern hemisphere uh, was habitable, habitable, and less than 1% of the planet was covered in surface water. The average humidity level was 5.4%. One of the many extraordinary features unique to Tatooine was the mysterious mist, which rose regularly from the ground, whereas the desert stands met cliffs in mesas hmm. only one percent has water 
I would gladly trade uh, the 4.5% humidity for the uh, 50-something I have right now. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. The humidity there is like, oh, that's nothing. It's limit- the humidity is so low on Tatooine, it's because there's no water. There's that problem. <laughs> that's why. But there's also a problem of it having no water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then various theories of this moisture's origin was disputed by meteorologists and geologists, like water suspended in sandstone veins beneath the sand and complex chemical reactions in which it it made it rise when the ground cooled, then fall underground again with the double sunrise. Mm. Yeah, so um, they basically milk rocks to get water. Yep. It's bad. I feel bad I, I, for the cantinas. Oh. Getting stock and all. But, I mean, they're all the cantinas are in the port, so. Right. And you can recycle most waste. So. True. Which is. Mm. Right. I know. Mm. But if it works for astronauts, it should work in Tatooine. Yeah, but just. Mm, I don't even want to think <laughs> of that. <laughs> But uh, enough with those. Uh, Now we have the history. So kick things off. We have the Infinite Empire. So this is well before the age of the Old Republic that we know. So the name Tatooine was coined from the Java name of the planet Tatooine. Tatooine was once a lush world that had a large oceans and world-spanning jungle inhabited by the native and technology advanced Kumagra. Against the Elder's wishes and the colonized nearby star systems, and this drew the attention of the Rakata. In 25,793 BBI, the Rakata and Infinite Empire invaded the planet, conquered and enslaved the native inhabitants, and abducted many of their other conquered worlds. As the terrible plague weakened by the Rakata, the Kumagra eventually rebelled and managed to drive the Rakata off planet. In response, they subjected the planet to an orbital bombardment that glassed, which literally exactly sounds what it means. Um, that is, fused the silica and the soil into glass, which then broke up and nearly uh, broke up over time into sand. And that's where we get sand. The planet then boiled its oceans away. Uh, it is possible that the Kumagra's excessive production uh, started the dramatic climate change before the Rakatan arrived. Nonetheless, this change split the indigenous Kumagra into two races, the Gorgraphs and the Jawas. Mm. So we have the nowhere Jawas come from. It's because the Infinite Empire are complete jerks. <laughs> But then I mean, again, who doesn't love Jawas? Uh, I, several, several people don't oh, love Jawas. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. But I, I love Jawas because you get a Jawa companion in Star Wars The Old Republic. And he's fantastic right? because he just obliterates people with his ion blaster that he has. Because why not? Do you also have to check your coin purse? Like... <laughs> No, nah, as long as he gets paid, he's fine. He oh, steal. okay. Okay. So speaking of the Old Republic, now we have the Old Republic era. So in the early years, fierce battles occurred in the skies above the planet around 5,000 BBY. The fight scattered to the surface of wrecks that quickly disappeared under the sands. 
Tatooine was first settled by miners around 4200 BBY. They established a large village that would become Anchorhead uh, around 4000 BBY. Jedi Knight Sidrana Dieth and her son Dace arrived on the planet. Dace Dieth spent his majority of his early life on Tatooine, being taught his initial training by his father. The planet was later represented in the Galactic Senate by Sidrana Dieth, but it was eventually abandoned by the Republic during the Great Great Hunt. The planet was cleansed of Tarantakic by the Jedi. Yes. Always loved that. Oh, <laughs> I know what these are. These, yeah, yeah. Um, you actually fight these in the uh, Old Republic MMO, but also in KOTOR. I know you definitely fight one. Definitely one. I think two, because you go to Korriban. I can't remember twos, but I definitely know in one you fight it, the one on Kashyyyk. Yes, and then the uh, one on, it's uh, in uh, yeah KOTOR two because of Naga Shadow's tomb. Yeah, yeah, you get two of those. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and they sucked. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, you, yeah. you, they are massive creatures that are on two legs and reptilian, force sensitive, force sensitive reptilian like creatures. Yeah, kind of look like mid between dinosaurs and dinosaur alien like thing. Pincher bugs, sort of. Yeah, yeah. they're ugly little bastards. They're not little either. <laughs> They're also not little. Um, and then although Tatooine was deemed not worth conquering by the Mandalorians during the Mandalorian Wars, a group of Mandalorian exiles settled on Tatooine after the war, although their fate was never known. In the time of the Jedi Civil War, the planet was particularly controlled by the Circa Corporation. Uh, they were attempting to mine ore from Tatooine, although they scorned discovered the ores had strange magnetic properties which made the metal corrode very fast and lost useless in for production that serves zerka right <laughs> i hate the zerka and, corporation so oh much. yeah i mean Kotor they're glorified than Sotor. they're glorified slave hunters like yes slavers and everything yeah but it's also Zerka's fault for why the Jawas get the big sand crawlers, isn't it? I believe so, yeah, which we'll yeah. R- go right into. So right. uh, Zerka's mining involvement in the Anchorhead settlement per- proved fruitless, and the company began Zerka's secret weapon division on the planet due to no restrictions from the Republic. Sometime between Revan's visit and 3643 BBY, Zerka completely pulled out of Anchorhead, abandoning the secret weapons complex. Authority on the world had extreme informal control by disorganized criminals, but they were later united by a group of distants uh, who called themselves the Hut Cartel. The mm. Republic had yet again begun to use the planet for a supply stop. Go figure. Yep. It, like, it becomes part of the Republic, and then the Republic just says, yep, no, we don't care about this desert planet. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> And then, during the Cold War, the Sith Empire also set up a small outpost near Anchorhead in the effort to discover the secrets of the Zerka secret weapon division. Sometime after the trio of the wars had ended, the Republic left the planet for a third time and had completely forgotten forgotten, uh, until the Republic rediscovered it in 1100 BBY. Okay, 
How? How can you forget <laughs> the planet that you actually left three times? I really want to know. How do you forget that? I, I someone someone took out the backups. I mean, I don't I, know. I, that's just bizarre to me. It's like, how do you rediscover a planet that's been discovered? thousands of years prior to this and you specifically have been settled on at one point at multiple times through Uh, multiple wars which are cataloged (laughs) (laughs) so the bomar order built a monastery on the planet in 700 bby which the bandit alcara uh who worked at the bureau of ethnicity and socialization used the hideout and 550 BBY. Shortly thereafter, in 516 BBY, the notorious job of the hut chased Akara uh, out of his citadel of operations and claimed the Boharm monastery for his personal palace and made it the center of his empire. So that's where we wow. get um, Jabba's palace. It used to be a monastery. Also, I didn't know he was five more than 500 years old. That's oh, that is a good. That that's another think oh that's hmm. good huts live a long time apparently now that we know they are giant worms yes that's true <laughs> worms can live forever uh <laughs> in 100 bby the dowager queen crashed on the planet uh at the site where moss isley was later built the crash survivors were humans from bestine 4 uh to establish bestine the capital of tatooine and made the first contact with the jawas Shortly thereafter, colonists founded Fort Tuscan, which was wiped out by the Sand People five years after its establishment. From the point on, the humans and other species referred to the Sand People as the Tuscan Raiders. Good to know. Okay. So, the Sand People attacked a fort named Tuscan, and uh-huh. then were dubbed the Tuscan Raiders. But now I've got a different question. We haven't figured out where the Sand People have come from. <laughs> Just, yeah, that's true. That is very true. Are um, they this other race that was mentioned earlier, the Gorfkas? Possibly, maybe. Uh, so Anchorhead was then re-inhabited in 93 BBY. Moss Eisley was settled by humans and Rodan- uh, Rodians in 85 BBY. And Moss Espa was settled in 80 BBY. Hmm. Uh, the Sand People were at least around from 4,000 BBY. That tracks. So, the Corellia Mining Corporation brought many deer crawlers to the planet, but abandoned it uh, as to the Republic for the intent of, uh, and purposes. In 70 BBY, when the orbital station Taboo 3 crashed, revealing the unstable nature of the local ores from which it had been constructed, the abandoned crawlers radically changed Jawa civilization, serving as mobile fortresses for Jawa tribes searching in the deserts for materials to scavenge. So the massive diggers are only a, relatively speaking here, a new concept to the Jawas, but they were in vast production during the Zerka Corp 4,000 years beforehand. Oh God! Now, yeah, now that you say <laughs> that, because this is seventy BBY from when it's 
what the info uh-huh. I got, but like if you go back and play, you know, KOTOR 1, KOTOR 2, the Old Republic, sand crawlers are literally in the desert. Uh, yeah. But if anything, it's pr- it, that's probably a loophole they found. Because so a lot of, and this is, you get this with a lot of legends. A lot of things don't add up because there were so many writers for so different things, books, comics, games, etc., mm-hmm. all over the place. There was no concrete timeline at anything. <laughs> so this is true, yeah. From what we get in this, this I believe is from either a book series or comic series, probably from the nineties. Right. Yeah. Kotor One didn't come out until 2003, so they said, <laughs> "Oh, sand crawlers! We need to put these on Tatooine because that's where we saw them first in the film." So yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I, as a MacGuffin, Zerka, I just blame everything on Zerka at that point with Legends. Yeah, fair point. Wouldn't be surprised if Zerka was like the founding, founding, founding of Corellia Mining Corp. Anyway, true. <laughs> and then, although the planet was therefore considered technically part of the Republic's Archaeus sector, the Huts became its de facto rulers when they arrived in sixty-five BBY, using the planet as an important transfer point between the Corellius and the Cornelian Run. And then in 60 BBY, Meryl Tosh? Uh, Tashi. Tashi. Uh, established Tashi Station on the outskirts of Anchorhead, rival hut uh, Kaijix vowed for control of the planet, notably Bes- Bestardi, represented by the Gordara Bestari the Elder, and Jayajek, which mm-hmm. is Jabba the Hunt. Jabba the Hut. They're, the hut speak Huttese is like very yeah. confusing and very wonky on its own, and it's just mm, it's all gibberish anyway. The only True. way I can understand Huttese is through subtitles <laughs> or translator <Yes>. droid. <laughs> Thanks, HK. But um, with that, we are going to take a short mid break, and we will be back with more Tatooine. Oh, that was so weird. My sound cut off like a few seconds in mid in the sound. Oh, it's so weird. Uh, but anyway, welcome to the mid-break of the show where we talk about everything with the podcast. It has nothing to do with the lore of Star Wars. And at this point, I just want to remind everyone and thank all of our patrons who support us. If you want to become a patron, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash holocronhistories where you can join, get ad-free episodes, or even join us one once a month on the show. And then also you can support us through uh, Apple or Spotify. If you leave a five-star review on Apple with some words, we'll read it out loud on the show, as well as a nice comment on Spotify, since you can comment on each episode now. Um, also, you can find us on a few different dis- discords. So there is the Robots Radio Discord, which is the uh, host network that we are a part of uh, at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Cups More uh, Cups More. The Cups and More podcast. 
Something Biggest like, cups podcasting and more that 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 discord um, <laughs> where you can find all the dis, uh, all the shows that uh, Austin and Shelby host the Dragon Age Lorecast, Assassin's Creed, and even this podcast, the Holocron Histories. And then you can find me and this podcast on my Discord, uh, the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord, where it's a Discord server for all the shows I host, with this show being Holocron Histories and the Wizarding World and the Final Fantasy Lorecast. So, yeah, join us there. We are trying to start a guild on Final Fantasy fourteen. It's fantastic. It's crossplay. Just letting y'all know, PC and PlayStation players can play together, and Xbox will be joining us in the spring. Finally, after a decade. Anyway, um, that's all I have for this mid break. Pretty short, quick, and sweet. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to get right back into it. All right. Now that we're back, we have, so, the first few things is we have the, uh, I, I literally just jotted this down in the show notes, the events of Phantom Menace and clone, throughout the Clone Wars. There's not really a way, there, I'm not going to dive into something like that because, one, there's too much. Two, yeah. you can just go watch it. You can just <laughs> go watch the Phantom Menace and the Clone Wars movie and the TV show and get all the all the stuff for Tatooine on there. Uh, it's legends and canon, so that's why I really didn't want to dive too much into it. And also, I put the original trilogy, because that's where we first saw Tatooine. And let's be honest, the first only like twenty, thirty minutes of the film was on Tatooine, and that was it. Which is yeah, a good chunk was... of the film. Yeah, but really, nothing happened. I wouldn't say nothing. Nothing I happened. Mean. I mean, Obi Wan <laughs> found Obi Wan found Luke. Started training Luke in the ways of the Force. Showed him his father's lightsaber. Met Han Solo and Chewbacca. Left port to go to the Death Star and all that. And his right. uncle and aunt burned. Oof. Yeah, I, that scene still shocks me to this day. How he shows like no emotion when his aunt and uncle are burned to the bone yeah i said what but okay whatever i i think of it as more of a uh, survival overload oh fair point but he's just completely shuts down and that it's not the lack of an emotional response it's the overwhelmingness of a an emotional response and i will probably have to say like death isn't uncommon on tatooine there's also that death life is very hard on Tatooine. So people dying and being murdered is probably commonplace because of the huts, huts, raiders, desert. So, we do get the important scene from Obi Wan uh, when we when they investigate investigate the sand crawler. Oh, these precise. Uh, marksman shots are comes from a imperial stormtrooper and then we actually see imperial stormtroopers and they can't hit a flipping thing uh, yeah 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 there's a, there's a lot going on there. and the problem is and you can go back on the theory it's like well darth vader ordered it like that and it's like okay we'll explain all the stormtroopers later in the series that we see <laughs> We see in rebels that we see in freaking mandalorian trying to shoot a freaking can and couldn't hit it when it's literally not even five feet in front of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's bad. Anyway, enough of my tangent with stormtroopers and their terrible shots. <laughs> um, so we go ahead and we get to the New Republic era. So this era is not, obviously, this is not, I mean, the New Republic is in canon. But this New Republic history is vastly different from what we have in canon. And by vastly, I mean a lot, and I mean better. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, so after the Battle of Endor, the demise of Jabba's empire caused the rival gangs of Tatooine to rage a bloody conflict with each other in every community of Tatooine and for many months. Well over a year later, the criminal empire was re- resurrected by Jabba's father and subsequently his nephew. Thus, the local feud had ended and Gorga had expanded the empire greater than Jabba himself due to his affiliation of the main criminal body and based on the criminal empire in his own palace. Okay, his father's name is Gorga. Okay, I wasn't sure if if Gorga meant uh, Jabba's father or the nephew. I wasn't oh, 100% yeah, certain who. His, uh, his father. Okay. Also, after the Battle of Endor, Emperor... Sat Prestige Prestige Pastage Eh, Words Uh, (laughs) Built a redoubt on Tatooine called Eidolon Base Uh, Although he never used it Eidolon Base was later discovered By the New Republic's Rogue Squadron Commander Wedge and Tilly's gave Escalor Loro Many weapons stored in the uh, Eidolon Base Escort left Rose Garden and used the weapons to create an independent guerrilla movement which liberated worlds from the Galactic Empire. As the home world of Luke Skywalker, Tatooine became something of a tourist trap <laughs> as a member of the New Republic. Yeah, that alone. Oh, our greatest general and hero is from Tatooine. We should go visit. You go visit. Crap. It's literally surrounded by a hut cartel and criminal organizations <laughs> left and right. That's called a trap. <laughs> <laughs> it's like visiting Florida now. <laughs> don't, don't say that. I love going to Florida. And I only go to Florida for Galaxy's Edge. I only go to Florida to go to a, f- a place far, far away. Right. Um, <laughs> so in 8ABY... So this is eight years after the Battle of Yavin. Following her marriage to Han Solo, later Organa Solo traveled to Tatooine to retrieve the Alderaan moss painting Krillic Twilight and the shadow cast key hidden within it. There she discovered the, uh, her grandmother uh, Shmi's diary and with the help of her father's childhood friends Crystal Chris, Kister. Kister. Kister Chachani Bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> and W. Wald uh, discovered her father wasn't the evil monster she thought he was and learned to forgive him. Oh. It is actually. Oh really my good book. gosh. Sorry, I have to do a side tangent. W. Wald is that little Rodian kid that Anakin was always around. Yeah. Yeah. And then in 12 ABY, the Eye of Palpatine stopped at the planet and failing to find the stormtroopers it was looking for, 
looked on board a number of Tuscan raiders in Jawas, whom it tried, with no success, to brainwash into being Imperials. That same year, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo searched Jabba's palace and discovered that the Huts were planning to build a super weapon. Which is like, why? The hut, Huts, you, you guys literally have everything you need. You don't need to make a super weapon. Right, yeah. No one touches you anyway. Why would you even make a super weapon? <laughs> The only person who, like, foiled your plans was a lone Jedi literally trying to find his soon-to-be brother-in-law. That's literally it. Yeah. Which, you know, don't get in the way of a Skywalker. No, no, no. And this goes back on Skywalkers. Um, They're they're typically the cause of most things in the galaxy. (laughs) True. See, we we don't we see a lot of strife in the old Republic era and like in the High Republic era and all that, but like when it gets to comes to like the Galactic Republic and onward with Skywalkers, it just goes downhill because it just goes it gets bad. <laughs> so in fourteen ABY, Jaden Core arrived on Tatooine, uh, and his first mission was to investigate some mercenary activity. Ro- arriving in Moss Eisley, the Raven's Claw. And the Millennium Falcon were trapped by tractor beams and under the control of the cultists. Jaden released the ships with the help of Chewbacca. And fun thing, you can play this because Jaden Core is the character that you play in Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. That one. That game. That Jedi Knight game because there's like three. There's Techni- a handful Technically of them. four. Yeah. Yeah. Because Dark Forces is technically part of the line. Hmm. Because I think Dark Forces go into Jedi Knight, and then then Jedi Knight goes into Jedi Outcast, and then Jedi Outcast goes into Jedi Academy. I think I could be wrong completely on that. I know there's another game that you play as that ties into the Jedi Knight series, but anyway... In 22 ABY, Jedi trainees Anakin Solo and Tyra Vila uh, traveled to the planet after Tyra's foster Tusken Raider father, Sylvian, demanded that she return. All her life, she had been raised as a Tusken tribe without knowing her true parents. That day had come, but first she had to prove that she was worthy of knowing. And then during the time of the New Republic, Tatooine experienced a cycle of harsh sandstorms that damaged and destroyed several human settlements. Which, sandstorms. Yeah. That's why you don't make a a settlement with an area that has sandstorms. Because we don't do that in the real world because we know. Unless you're... (laughs) I I mean... (laughs) Yeah. I mean... You can argue that with Egypt, but they're only in fun fact. If you, and you can go and play Assassin's Creed Origins and find this out yourself, Egypt's not all desert. It's only literally one part of Egypt. Yeah, no, it's actually it's, it's a actually delta, the river. Yeah, <laughs> there's the river lush, delta. there's river, there's everything you think. It's literally where the pyramids are. That's the only part that has desert. Anyway. Um, now we go to the Yuzhan Yuzhan Von War. This people <laughs> is the epitome of Star Wars dark history because it gets dark. But it's so Bad. good. It's so good. It's so. It's good. so good. But it's we will so never dreadful. get it. 
Heck no, we will never get this in canon because I don't think they were even attempting to go this dark. Now, thankfully, like, Ondor does have really dark moments. And, like, oh, I, yeah. I appreciate Lucasfilm, like, they're actually diving into the dark parts of Star Wars to make it more. It's like, okay, yes, this is, like, family-friendly, but we do have to appease audiences. And most of our audiences are in their 20s plus. Right. So, but yeah, this, this is where it gets this gets heavy. So, when the Yuuzhan Von War had begun in 25 ABY, the New Republic had lost authority on the world and so left it on its own. After the Yuuzhan Von destroyed all life on Nalhata and Nar Shada in 26 ABY, the huts of the Hut Underground adopted Tatooine as their new homeworld in 28 ABY. During the war, Tatooine became a center of commerce due to the Jiren leaving it alone. So, right there, how, why I'm saying it gets dark. The Jiren mm-hmm. literally wiped out two entire planets. Completely. Oh, yeah. That was, that was a hit. Nahada, I mean, it's mainly swamp, with the, like, the huts being primarily the uh, inhabitants, but there's a lot of huts. And Narshada which if you play any of the older games, you go to Narshada multiple yeah. occasions and it is a vastly It's like the populated world. Yeah. It's literally Las Vegas just with crime. More well, more crime. <laughs> I was gonna say Las Vegas already has crime. Um more crime most Las Vegas. It's just Las Vegas on steroids, essentially. The entire planet is Las Vegas. Yeah, basically, yeah. And it, there are a lot of criminal undergrounds and criminal organizations literally inhabit it. And, you know, Yuuzhan Vong just comes in and wipes them all out because they're the Yuuzhan Vong. And if you don't know who the Yuuzhan Vong are, uh, you can go read the comics. But they're, a cent- they're basically a species from the unknown regions that are force... They're not force sensitive. They're force resistant. So the yeah, force doesn't the best way work to put on them. And on top of that, they're what's a, a good example of them would be kind of like, like the Reapers from Mass Effect to where they use organ Everything they have is organic. Yeah. It's like a biomorphic organic technology that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's very much c- collector esque. Yeah, there we go. It's more yeah. like the collectors and Mass Effect rather than um, yeah. Reapers, but it's similar to yeah. the two. But yeah, it's then that's why like it's they were such a Jurassic force in the galaxy because they were force resistance. Everything they had is organic, so it was really hard to like wipe them out with ion cannons because none of those would work. Mm-hmm. On top of that, they were such a force that the Sith and Jedi actually came together just to wipe them out of the galaxy because they were such a threat. And like, and, yeah. and I'm telling you that on as a feat of its own, if you come into the galaxy as a threat as a threat to both Jedi and Sith together, that's a problem. Yep. And then, so, by 29 ABY, the Huts returned to Nalhada and reclaimed the planet 
and the resistance movement continued its operations on its original world during the reclamation of the hut space. This resulted in Gorga's empire being reduced to a sole authority on Tatooine. Eventually, in 30 ABY, the Galactic Alliance claimed the planet, leaving a question of its uh, Dajelic empire would meet a second demise. And then last but not least, we have the new Galactic Empire. So this is after the Yuzhan Von War arc. This is, uh, I forget what time period. This is in, Jace, I think, Jason Solo's time period. Uh, Cade. Cade. Cade, Cade, uh, Cade Skywalker's timeline. So yep. Darth Krayt, Galactic's timeline kept, or Galactic Empire, the timeline. Darth Krayt's. Galactic Empire kept only a small uh, presence on Tatooine. Small garrisons were kept in Anchorhead, Mos Eisley, and Mos Espa. The former palace of Gardula the Hutt served as the Imperial Station Bravo, Moff Neve Gormia's headquarters. Sometime, and then sometime after his victory over Darth Krayt, Cade Skywalker landed on the planet as a fugitive. And uh, we do talk about Darth Krayt on our Obi-Wan Kenobi episode in Legends, where Darth Krayt was actually a Jedi Padawan during the time of Anakin's Padawan days. He Mm -hmm. lives for hundreds of years uh, because of his species, because he was actually a Tusken Raider at one point. But then, you know... Obi-Wan finds him on Tatooine, which we go over in that episode. And if any Tuscan shows skin, they are removed from the tribe immediately. Like, they, they are, like, dishonored and everything. And he literally goes off and becomes a Darth and Dark Lord of the Sith and all. And becomes a very, like, pretty decent threat in the galaxy, even though his empire doesn't last as long as most of the other empires do. Uh, he does have Darth Talon on his side, which is the red skin Twi'lek leak that everybody likes to see. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> right. <laughs> and one of my uh, one of my friends' like favorite Sith of all time. It's like, hmm, I wonder why. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but that is what we have on Legends for the planet of Tatooine, or Tatooine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh... Can't imagine why why we changed it to just Tatooine, uh, right? See, and now I need to have Jawa a Jawanese as a legitimate language. Someone make that happen. I'm sure someone has. I mean, Klingon's been done. Oh yeah, but like, see, all right. the nerd languages were actually done by legitimate linguists. <laughs> Star <laughs> right? Wars, unfortunately, has not had that um, that boon. Like most other fantasy sci-fi stuff, <laughs> true. Most of it's just uh, we squeaky, just have squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. <laughs> we just have a written language. That's all we have, right? Thank you, Arabesh. But anyway, but yeah, that's what we have for this week. So um, before we go, I will let Psych plug in his stuff before we end the show. Right. So uh, usually you would know me as a host uh, for the MCU Lorecast, and that hasn't changed. Uh, but we have left the Robots Radio Network. And we've struck out to be on our own, uh, as announced in our most recent episode of Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, so we're taking a, 
a short-ish hiatus. It's going to be a, at least the month of August. Might be a little bit longer. Uh, but we'll be back before the end of the year with new content, starting with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as we try to cover Marvel television. Outside of that, I've joined Scyther Audio to produce audio dramas. My first one was going to be the Avengers audio drama. But um, due to the strike, I can't promote that uh, or I can't post it. I can't publish it until after the strike ends because Marvel is a is owned by Disney, who is a struck studio. So uh, there's the trailer up. You can at least listen to that. Give it some love, but that's about as far as it will go. Uh, so it will probably mean I will miss the 60th anniversary of the Avengers comic that came out in September of 1963. And that's the price of business, as it were. Uh, but it will be out. I'm going to continue to work on it. Uh, the episode's going to get done. I'm working on episode two. I'm writing it right now. Um, and you can still audition for characters at uh, Avengers or Avenger Audio Drama. That's all one word at gmail.com. And that is it for me, really. Oh, and the Mass Effect Blue Shift, which drops, mon uh, drops on the first Friday of the month. That's still on Robots Radio Network. It's still a lot of fun. Uh, that one's still good to go. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you can find me at all my other podcasts, the Wizarding World Lorecast and the Final Fantasy Lorecast. So thank you for everyone listening to Holocron Histories, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at Three Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3CountThoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>